Welcome into today's show. I'm Victoria Conway, pleased to be joined by Brian Flincham, the proud owner of Mr. Clean Bins out of Jacksonville, Florida. Brian, how are you? Hey, doing well, Victoria. Thanks for coming on today. Excited to have you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm excited here to do it too. Let's, let's let everybody know about the trash bin cleaning industry today. The most interesting topic there is, in my opinion. Uh, so one of the questions, Brian, that we're going to ask all of our guests to kind of just get things started is going to be, what's your favorite part of owning a business that cleans trash bins and dumpsters? My favorite thing. You know, it's a dirty job, so not everybody wants to do it. So I think that's my favorite thing. You know, it's got a barrier to entry. People don't want to get dirty, and we live in a world where nobody wants to get dirty anymore. So... <laughs> It's very true. There's not many people that really understand everything. Even though the trucks do a lot of the work, it's still still something that you got to roll your sleeves up and really get after it. Um, Brian, tell us a little bit about your background. Before you stumbled into Mr. Clean Bins, what did you do? Well, I, I've always been a, a, a white-collar guy. Um, I did a lot of tax planning and stuff like that, boring stuff. Uh, but I also did a lot of uh, businesses on the side as well with my, my wife. We had uh, dance studios, we had talent competitions, um, we, we had a property management company, we even did some surf shops and sunglass stores. So I've done a, a lot of service, kind of retail stuff. Um, trash bin cleaning business is a service industry, but it's also got a lot of logistics and that was uh, something I didn't have a background in. So I, I learned that quite, quite quickly. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's something that right away you find out, okay, how are we going to plan out all these cleanings and people that want their bins cleaned ASAP? Um, for you, Brian, how did you and your wife find trash bin cleaning? What's your kind of origin story of this? Well, I always say I found out about it myself, but my wife <laughs> tells me it was not me. It was her. Uh, mm -hmm. We were in uh, London. Uh, we had we'd just taken time off of selling our surf shops and our sunglass stores. We wanted a break. So we're sitting in London at the end of a six-week trip through Europe, which was awesome. And But I didn't know what I was going to do when I got back because I just sold a, a business. Um, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing when I come back. And my wife turns on a TV show, and there was this guy, I don't know, 60 years old. He'd retired from the white-collar world, and he wanted to start up his own business. And he found out about the trash bin cleaning business there in uh, England. And they had all these cool facts. Like in England, on the show, they said, like, um, you know, over half the households roughly have it. A lot of municipalities require it. Uh, it was more popular than pest control services. And I was like, uh, again, my wife says it was her. But I was like, wow, that sounds like a great idea. Um, we should try this out in the U.S. And so as soon as I got back from that trip uh, back in July of 2018, I, uh, I Googled trash bin cleaning, you know. Um, and guess who was at the top of the search? It was Sparkling Bins. So that's how I found out about, uh, you know, and, and, and to be honest, I didn't do a lot of research about other companies. I just said, mm -hmm. I want somebody close, local. Yeah. And I went down to go see your dad mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, very personable. I was like, this seems <laughs> like a good, you know, a good business to get into. And, uh, you know, I picked up my truck and, and I got it delivered at the best time of year, November. No, October, <laughs> November, because everybody wants their bins cleaned in the coldest months of the year. Absolutely. Right? They're, they're extra dirty. You know, my dad likes to flip it around and he says, because of course, you know, normally spring and summer are obviously the most desirable. He likes to say, you know, holidays, people are coming out, they want family, they want their bins clean, more food at home. 
But uh, you and I know, Brian, when it's colder out, people aren't as worried about it as um, when, I mean, ideally now, really, right? April probably would be the perfect time to, to launch your business. But for you, it didn't really slow you down. Four trucks in less than four years, honestly, because you started in 2018. And now we're just entering 2022. Um, when you got that first truck, what do you think some of the initial challenges were as you were getting into? Obviously, you ran businesses before, so that helps. But it's still, I like to tell people, it's a business unlike anything you've probably come across before. Uh, so like the biggest challenge or surprise, um, maybe, yeah, maybe a mixture of like, what was the biggest surprise and then what did you really have to work towards solving, I guess, or working on? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my biggest mistake is I guess I'm older than I thought I was. And, <laughs> and what I mean by that, I'm only, I'm only going to be 43 this year. But what I mean by that is, is when it comes to marketing and sales, when I did my other businesses, um, print advertising was still a way you could get customers. Um, and I know I've seen posts that you can do every door direct mail and it, it can make it, but I spent about $20,000 and it was not very successful for me. So my biggest challenge uh, when I started was how am I going to get customers? Uh, because, uh, you know, are the traditional ways, the more simplistic ways, in my opinion, are, are still are kind of dead. I'm not saying you can't yeah. do yeah. EDDM. It's just, it has to be highly concentrated, probably in a small area, continually over a long period of time, which I don't have the patience to do that because I don't want to grow a year, two, two years or longer from now. I want it today, right away. So, uh, you know, social media was probably, I, I had to learn that. Um, everybody was saying, you know, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. And I think Facebook was really good a few years. It's still good today, but not as good with all their new algorithms and everything. But I had to learn a lot of that stuff. And and, and I'm a guy that didn't even have a Facebook page, really. <laughs> I didn't have an Instagram or yeah. TikTok. I didn't have any of that stuff. So I think, you know, the biggest challenge is, you know, A, I got the truck at a bad time of year yeah. uh, in the cold winter months. Uh, that was tough already to get through with that and still be positive when the spring came. And then when the spring came, figuring out that the print media didn't work and what else to do and learning social media, that was a lot. That was a lot. And unless you're independently wealthy, uh, you're probably want to go and jump on that truck uh, while you're doing all this. Uh, so you're learning social media, you know, doing all the routes, you know, everything. And it's a very, you know, it's very tiring. I don't think I'd want to be any older doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, it's something where, at, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, you, you used spreadsheets for a while, didn't you? At the first two years, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I did not have a CRM system for the first two years of yeah. business. So I grew the business up to over a thousand customers, maybe 1200 at the time before I even got a CRM software. So I would actually, uh, so when I would do my routes, so I would filter out like, you know, the, who has the routes that day. And then I'd have to export those customers into a, uh, a mapping software, uh, I think called like uh, my, uh, my, not MR, uh, not my not route MRP. online, yeah. not yeah. MRP, but MRO, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was slight, uh, different, yeah, right? slight difference, but yeah, yeah. So I was way, I was backwards and uh, yeah, I think some people made fun of me, but it was nice because I actually was able to sit back and see what everybody else was doing. And I saw, you know, you know everybody was trying Jobber, 
job we're working for people. And at first, everybody's like, you got to do it. That's the best thing for billing, routing, scheduling. And then, you know, it, it just wasn't. And people started hating it. And so I didn't even have to do it. I just kept reading all the Facebook comments. And then it <laughs> scared me away. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I stumbled into something a little different. Um, but I hear great things about MRP. I've, I've, I kind of found like a, I, I grew a little bit too quick before MRP came online. Yeah. So I, I just had to come up with something a little different. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Brian, I feel like with you, you probably have a lot of clients that have to merge over. So that would be fun. But that's what I like. I think we use you as an example a lot for people that say, which one do I use? Get one, right? Some type just to help you, but you did it for two years without one. So that's an impressive feat right there because I can only imagine. I hear our routes in the background, and I don't know how people do it for two months, let alone two years. Yeah, it, it's it's not ideal. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I don't recommend it go that long. But I do think if people want to save a little money uh, the first yeah, year, sure. you could probably get by. But uh, after a few hundred customers, don't do it. Don't. Don't be save dumb yourself, as Brian. Save, no, Brian's, Brian's a very smart, smart business owner. I mean, four trucks for four years definitely shows. So there's there's brains behind there, Brian. Absolutely. Um, for your company, how have you utilized virtual assistants to help grow the company? Yeah, we've um, – so I started with just a salesperson, and, and I didn't get the idea. You know, again, I'll give uh, – Jason Proctor out of Canology out West, he's the first one who started using uh, some VAs. Uh, and he told me about how great it was that he actually could go home at night and not have to do more work. And I was like, wow, you mean you're, you're, you're working less than 50 or 60 hours a week? And uh, and uh, now, now Jason, I still think, works 50, 60 hours a week. He just finds he other finds projects stuff. to he do. He finds stuff to do, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So he's like a mad scientist. But mm -hmm. um, so me, on the other hand, I, I, you know, I was like, how do you free up some some personal life? I mean, there's a lot of cool commercials about how VAs free you up and they show guys like, you know, canoeing or kayaking out in the middle of the wilderness because they have all this free time now. And I wanted to be that guy after speaking to Jason and seeing some commercials. But what we use them for specifically is uh, we have one for sales and one for the back office. And. You could maybe get one person to do both, but it's a different personality and a different skill set. Uh, so I think if you can get two of them, great. Uh, and, and a lot of people start, like I started with a, a, a staffing agency in the Philippines, uh, actually based out of California, but the folks were um, all in the, Philo, uh, the Philippines. You can go anywhere you want. I just personally think the Philippines, uh, the accent, the language, it works great here in Florida. Uh, everywhere may have a different need or a different, um, you know, so it could be a different location. But VAs, uh, international VAs, because of the low cost, uh, they could be as little as 250 to 400 or more in a, in a week is, is the pay, which is obviously in a, in a tight labor market here in the U.S. You're not going to get anybody working 40 hours for 250 three $400 in a week. Um, and so we have an office manager that does all the routing, uh, well, not the routing, but the scheduling, putting the customers on that there, making sure the text notifications go out, do all the billing, um, rescheduling as needed, customer, uh, any customer problems, uh, solving those, and, and that's all they do. And then we have another sales guy uh, or, or, or sales manager. Uh, what he does is he's been trained on uh, – now, one thing 
everybody in the industry talks about is CRMs, which is, you know, like I just, I use Gorilla Desk, there's Jabra, there's MRP, but there's one thing that people don't spend a lot of time talking about is a sales management platform because none of those really do sales management. That's a completely different platform. And so we use something called Pipedrive um, and we've integrated it with our phone um, provider, Kixi. They actually integrate. And so when leads come in through Facebook, Google, or whatever, that lead gets pushed right into this cell software. They get an automated email, text response, and all the guy does in the Philippines, he just drag and drops. They get more automated emails and texts. Uh, and, and if they don't follow up, then there's separate categories, new pipelines for other automations. Um, so it's a really cool software. Maybe the people in the first year, you know, you may, you may not want to blow your money on it, but in, in following years, it's definitely worth having, especially if you have an international person that you want to uh, put more controls and structure in place. And uh, that person's full-time job is to follow up with those leads and to also um, cold call as necessary. Um, be careful on cold calling. There's a lot of uh, regulations and things around that, uh, but it can be something that you can do on top of, of doing all the social paid social media stuff as well to get, get customers. I think that's a really good point because people don't really talk about who manages when they get emails and calls because if you're fortunate, especially during the summer, your phone's ringing a lot. Uh, I mean, I know for us, it definitely spikes up and our office manager does an awesome job, but I'm sure there's days where she doesn't even know if she reached back out to everyone because it's just, it's a difficult job to do at times. Yeah, yeah, it's important too because I mean, you know, once you get a couple thousand customers, you know, I've had this conversation with your dad, you know, it's um, the wintertime's tough. Um, you know, and how, and you really, you want to continue to have that salesperson there year round. And if you can come out of the cold weather with just as many customers as you had when you ended, then you're, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> and, no, no, uh, I like, yeah, it's true. It's true. So, you know, and, and we have been successful with that. And I think a VAs, you know, um, you know, if you're committed to having that person on year round and, uh, then, then you can survive the winter and potentially come out. I think we're coming out. With a couple thousand customers we already have, we're actually coming out, I think, like 50 or 60 positive through, which is, it may not sound amazing, but remember, December, January, February, they're, they're tougher months. They're tougher months. No, and I like that you're saying that even though we're in Florida, because all the time when we get calls from prospective buyers, they're like, well, you know, you're in Florida, so you're fine year round. It's not true. You definitely, we don't get obviously as cold. We don't have those elements as difficult, but Holiday mindset, that's something we continuously preach. People aren't trying to spend as much money around the holidays. They're more laid back. Kids are home from college. So they're definitely not thinking, oh, let me get my trash bins cleaned right away, even though they're in Florida. So it's yeah, still yeah. important. Yeah, it's important for people to understand that and the psychological issues. Like um, with having other businesses, I knew kind mm -hmm. of the ebb and flows, like especially with the surf shop uh, and the sunglass place. Our February numbers were in a bad. They were pitiful. And, uh, and, and I was like, well, why is that? Well, you know, uh, you haven't got your tax money back. So a lot of Americans, you know, they wait on getting that tax check back. Uh, they overspent probably on Christmas. And now they're trying to uh, pay off their credit card now. So you just have a lot of, you know, and, and utilities are high. So they're maybe spending more on their heat or whatever. So that's just a tough month. So people just got to realize there's some things, even if you really want to grow, there's some parts of the year where you just sit back put your hands up and say, Hey, I understand this. I'm prepared for it mentally. That's what I tell my sales guy and say, Hey, you're an awesome sales guy. Don't get bummed. 
it's going to be tough these months and you got to stay positive through that and and it's working you know we'll still add a thousand customers this year even with a, a you know a slow summer season i'm positive of it even with five dollar gas i guarantee you i've looked at the numbers and we're still trending you know, like we did in prior years that's incredible. What are some of the things, obviously you bought these trucks to clean trash bins, but I've seen you on some of the forums talk about what you do during the winter time to maybe make up some extra revenue because people aren't necessarily running to you to get your trash bins clean. What are some of the things you guys try and promote during those winter months? You know, what happens is in the, in the summertime, if you're doing all these Facebook paid leads, um, mm-hmm. you're going to get a huge list of all these customers. And there's no time in the summertime to follow up with everybody. Just, just not possible. You know, in the summertime, we may have a day where we get 20 new customers. So you got, you got, you got to think of that. Like we could have three good days in the summertime that does everything we do for the entire winter. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so there, so there, you don't have the capacity to follow up with all those. So what, what we've been doing the last, um, this last uh, winter season, this was really our first full year going through the cycle with our uh, VA, uh, we had him reach out and call all those leads um, multiple times until we were able to get them on the phone and to close them. And that helped uh, offset. I think we, if you look at all the new customers, we got net of cancel, uh, without netting out cancellations, which happened in the wintertime, he still added on, I think, close to 200. Um, so it, it, it's, it's great. And all we were doing is just calling everybody who expressed interest and following back up with them from the summertime because you're not going to capture everybody in the summertime that does a one-time cleaning or calls and just has some interest. But it's important to make sure you have all that, you know, in a in a spreadsheet or pipe drive, whatever you use, so you can follow up with them in the wintertime. I like that piece of advice. It's definitely something where no matter what time of the year, you want to be repetitive because if you're not on top of people, they forget about it. Just like we all do with so many things we see an ad and we're like, oh, we should do that. But we forget to. So definitely good to be repetitive. I think that's good advice and maybe not something, especially with the virtual assistants that people put focus on. But like you said, pretty low, low cost and definitely can pay dividends if they can sign up some contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So you think a, a VA, somebody making 12 to 1500 a month and uh, they pulled in even in the slow season, a couple hundred customers that definitely pays for itself. It's a, it's a really good investment. Uh, if you, if you go in with a long, long-term view. Absolutely. Victoria Conway inside of our podcast here with Brian Flincham. He is the owner of Mr. Clean Bins out of Jacksonville, Florida. Brian, for you, I remember chatting with you in 2020 as COVID was full-fledged and you actually had a really good season. What were your thoughts as everything, obviously for so many businesses, a very tumultuous time, but you grew, didn't you, during that time period? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we we grew still over a thousand customers net that year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember I was been tagging with one of my drivers as the Dow Jones, I think fell like <laughs> thousand or 1500 points one day. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to be good for us. something we thought we didn't know from cleaning bins to manufacturing. We were thinking no one's going to spend money. Yeah. You sure. know, I, I, I've, I've actually thought a lot about this, Victoria. I mean, I'm a, I'm an econ MBA guy and I, and I said, you know, let's think about this industry broader and it is a discretionary spin. You know, people don't have to have their bins cleaned. Um, but what do you have on the other side of things in a bad, econo- a bad economy? Um, 
you know, even in the Great Depression, 50% of the people still had a job. And I'm not saying behavior may change, but let's think about this industry. We have virtually no competition. We, even if, God forbid, something bad happened and we went through another depression, half the people still have jobs, probably still want to promote people having jobs and do it, you know, having it, and they're still going to be more and more wealthy. It's just a bigger gap between the wealth and the poor. So if you can still go after all that upper middle class, which is a huge market, especially if there's no competition, this industry should thrive. You just got to make sure that you market to those right individuals. And that's what I've told my, my guys. They're like, they look at me for leadership. I'm not the world's best leader, but I tell them, hey, guys, I sit here and think even if things really, you know, if they're bad this year with the gas prices going up and all that, there's still going to be people with money. There's still going to be a need for this service because especially in Florida and other locations too, people don't want to do a dirty job or dirty work. And so I, I think over the long run, this industry is going to, you know, boom, you know, maybe 1% of the people want it right now. Um, but I think this market saturation can go to 10 to 20% eventually. No, that's a really good point is that people, people don't want to do this at all. And I think a lot of us in the industry, we talk price points, right? What to charge. And for the most part, for middle income to upper, it's very affordable. There's things that we always like to say, going through drive throughs going, grabbing coffee. Americans do that every day right. and they don't think twice about it, which is always a positive way to look at things. Even during you know uncertain times, I guess, from the last two years, as we can all learn, there's nothing really guaranteed and no one really knows what the heck's going on half the time. Yeah. And every year has a new story. It, like last year <laughs> when we came out of, you know, when we came out of COVID, um, like March and April in the spring, we, we were getting some cancellations. And I was like, why is everybody canceling? You know, what's going on? Oh, we're moving. Well, people moved because they weren't able to move for two years because of the lockdowns and everything. And, you know, and this year with high gas prices, what's the story? Why do people cancel this year? Oh, I got to cut back a little bit because I, you know, fuel prices and things, inflation are getting higher and cost of living. So there's going to be a new story every year um, and we just have to learn to adapt to it. No, I think that's a good rule of thumb for any business, right? Especially trash bin cleaning. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started rolling how you have a flush of sparkling vintage trucks. You have a 2018, 2019, a 2020, 2021, and a 2022 on order. Um, Maybe talk a little bit about the differences between your first and then the next three. The first one is a non-PTO, meaning it's powered with a pressure wash engine, a Honda GX690, which is what we use on our trailers and our non-PTO trucks. And then the PTO model, I believe you were one of the first to have our first model of the PTO. Yeah, number two. First, I was number, number two. two. <laughs> number two, that's right. Number two. So you were a true guinea pig for that for that system um, and learning yeah. the different little quirks. And I know you helped us a lot with giving us feedback as we rolled that out with the PTO. So maybe kind of talk about the differences and what you learned about the different machinery and, you know, how you prefer to run them and what you see maybe as pros and cons. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, when we got the 2018 truck, the, uh, which is like you said, it's the Honda engine powers, the pumps in the back. There's no PTO. Um, there's a lot more moving parts. Um, I'm not mechanically inclined. I've remodeled some housing. So for me to get something like that, um, you know, it's a lot of moving parts with the Honda generator, the pumps, everything in the back. And I'm not the smallest guy. So when it, you have to go repairs, pretty darn <laughs> tight. I have to get my, uh, 18 year old son who weighs 120 pounds to jump in the back of that, <laughs> that truck. But, um, 
but I would say the biggest thing is there are a lot of parts in the uh, the original truck. Uh, if the, something breaks in that Honda engine, um, then you know you, you have that issue. You're not just worried about the you know the truck uh, working. You got to now worry about the Honda engine working and maintaining it. Now it was new. I haven't still really haven't had many major issues or anything with that truck. Um, and the local pressure washing guys know how to work on that truck just by taking it to a pressure wash and repair location. Fairly easy. Uh, the pressure pro skit on the back is very standard. Uh, you know, nothing crazy there. Um, uh, but I, I do think there's more downtime down with that truck since there are so many parts that can break. Not a whole lot, uh, but again, I, I think the PTO is better. Now, I had the second PTO ever built by you. I think uh, gentleman down there is at Dr. Ben's or Ben Doctor. I think he ben got Dr. your first. Spiro. I think, yes. I think, I I think, think he beat me. I think he got the, the first one. It's um, a little bit closer in location. You know, he was right there in Broward County. You're up you know, in Jacksonville. <laughs> right. I think that might have played. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, make the guinea pigs, <laughs> spread out the guinea pigs. Close by. We needed you guys close by so we can, we can assist. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm glad you did uh, because now uh, I love the PTOs. That's all I want moving forward. I still have my old, my first truck. I'll keep it and put it in an antique store when Mr. Clean Benz gets married someday. But um, <laughs> I, I think um, the PTO, there's just less that can go wrong with it. Now, my first truck, I will say the the original system and the pulley system it didn't have any grip. And so what happened after you used that thing for a few months, it started slipping and the pumps wouldn't go. I didn't know what was going on. And, but thankfully, I will, I will give it to David and uh, David Sanchez, your repair guy, and your dad. I called and said, I'm at my wit's end on this one. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, they said, it's not the pump, something on the PTO. And they're like, come down, Brian. So I, I remember driving down with my 80-year-old father-in-law who came down. And uh, we, were, they, you know, dropped, we got there, I think, 8 a.m. to do the rebuild of the complete PTO. And they were done by like 5 p.m. right when they were closing closing up over at Flower. I think it was at Florida Powertrain or whatever the name of it. Yeah, yeah, that's our that's our vendor down here who assists yeah. us with that. Yeah. And we yeah, have we one up here have too. A couple <laughs> oh so, yeah, that's right. They they are throughout Florida. Yeah, yeah. So we have the same shop here, but um, uh, but they couldn't see me up here very quick. So we came on down. Um, the total cost of a complete new PTO that your dad did was zero. So I do I do give you guys um. You know, credit. I mean, I, I tell that story to a lot of customers because they always ask, like, you know, how is your experience with sparkling bins? And I think any vendor, you know, trying to do something new uh, that's cool and innovative, uh, you're going to have some bumps along the way. And the, and the fact that you guys took care of me, that goes a long way. So, uh, you know, I, I think when I tell that story to other customers or people looking at getting in the business, they're like, that, that tells volumes because no one's going to be perfect all the time. It's what you do when you have those bad situations and how you react. No, I'm, I'm glad you shouted out, David. We've done two recordings today, and he's gotten two shout-outs rightfully. So um, I think something we try to pride ourselves on is it's a machine. Things are going to pop up. But like you said at the end, it, it's how we respond to that. And obviously knowing you have the second-ever model, of course, rightfully so, we're going to fix it at, at our cost to make sure that it's taken care of because – Hopefully, once we get that right, and because of you allowing us to use you as a guinea pig, as well as Spiro and some others that were some of the first, it was able to evolve and get to a point where we're extremely confident in it, and we don't have those. We don't have to have you drive down to Miami. Yeah, yeah, and the other trucks, no, no issue at all. So it's been, you know, and that truck since it's been done, no problem. So yeah, you guys have it perfected now. So there's no, 
uh, there's no issues there. And uh, I think, um, you know, now I will go back. Let's go back to you asked about the difference in the trucks. Now, yeah, go for it. So, you know, a small time pressure washing shop, if you're in a small town, can easily fix anything on the uh, your original SB4 gas. Now, when you get to the diesel, the PTO, um, you just need to make sure the customers need to understand that those repairs on those may require somebody with a you know, PTO experience and you know a small town maybe there's not somebody around but you'll you will need to find somebody who who does have that with the drivetrain the PTO all of that but but the good thing is those things don't break very often I think I've only had one I've replaced one drivetrain on on one um, on one of those and it was only two hundred dollars here in uh, in Jacksonville for a new uh, uh, drivetrain axle for the PTO. So it, it's been very inexpensive. You think three trucks now, and I've had these now for three years, and that's the only expense I've, I've encountered. That's not much uh, at, at all. So, um, uh, but uh, but make sure that, for those listening on, on YouTube, make sure that uh, you find somebody that's dealing, used to dealing with like uh, large construction equipment, bulldozers, things like that. They can do all that PTO work, uh, all the, the repair work on the hydraulic arms in the back. That was something that I didn't understand at the time, who would repair and do that. But uh, but heavy machinery guys can do all that for you. No, very good point to make sure that you have those people nearby that are familiar with it to assist. Because David's great, but obviously David can't be in all 50 states and, and jump behind the truck and take care of it for you. So that, that's definitely a good piece of advice for some people that are looking to get into the industry. For you, Brian, um, obviously you've been in this industry for close to four years now. What do you think are some of the misconceptions about the industry that you've learned since starting Mr. Clean Bins? Well, I think a lot of people, you know, think that this is easy money. <laughs> They're like, oh, man, this will be so great. I'm going to be like rolling in the money so quick. And it, it depends how much you want to roll your sleeves up as to how quickly you want to get that money yourself. So like... I personally looked at this business as, you know, three to five years out an investment of my time without pay. Um, now, if I if I could if I wanted to pay myself, I'd probably need to be on the truck um, a bit more. Uh, well, I haven't been on the truck in six months now, uh, and even then, I think it was like for a day. So I've been lucky. Knock on wood, I've been off the truck almost a year. I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. My dad's been on it recently. We had a lot of people out with COVID recently, and it was a wild couple Saturdays. I think he posted that his back was really he, – he can't hop out of the trucks anymore like he could 12 years ago. That's Yeah, right. yeah. I think your dad's in his mid-50s or so. I was like, man, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm, I can't imagine, like, <laughs> doing it every day. Uh, my, well, I do have one driver who's 51, uh, but he, he oh, looks God, like he's awesome. 30, and he looks awesome. <laughs> but, he must go to the gym a lot, Brian. <laughs> he must. He must. <laughs> But um, yeah, I would say it's not easy money. So make sure that you know you have capital on hand, um, mm -hmm. and uh, that you are willing to invest for the long run. Because I, I think people go in with a very short time horizon. And um, one of the old uh, coaches, I think up at Notre Dame, I can't uh, remember the guy's name. He's like, "There's one thing that can fix a lot of problems, and it's money. Because money does something very important for you. It buys you time." So if I didn't have enough capital on, on hand, I don't know if I would have made it through my first year because the first year, you know, like I said, I made mistakes of spending too much on print and, and EDDM and all of that. So uh, so people just need to understand it's a long-term game. And then the other thing that people need to understand is uh, you got to get your hands dirty. 
you know, I, I, I went from doing quite well in white collar world and then your you're next day you're over there cleaning trash bins on the side of the road trying to figure out how to get the business. So you psychologically you have to be uh, tough. You can't just say, you know, why am I doing this? Because you're going to be day in, day out, working long hours, working hard, and you just need to understand that this will pay off in the long run if you're in the right market, you've done, you know, your research, and it, it will come out okay. Um, and, uh, and the last thing I'll say probably that I think there's a misconception. I think, you know, just the equipment and all of that, it, hey, everything's just going to run and be perfect every day. You know, th there's a lot of parts, you know, hoses, valves, there's always something going to break. And so uh, they're kind of like boats, these 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 trucks. You know, a boat, boat something's always kind of breaking on a boat. And these are fantabulous vehicles that uh, you guys prepare and uh and ship out they're great they're the best in the industry in my opinion but people need to understand that uh, things are going to break and you got to work through that <laughs> and don't get discouraged when you you, you know you're you're out at eight o'clock at night because you had a something break down or you can't go service people for a day or two because you're waiting on a part just yeah. just got to deal with that and manage it <laughs> no it's a, no it's a really good i mean we build these uh we've been running routes and last week we were waiting on a part for two days and even we were you know spinning our head you know spinning our wheels just waiting on it and it's a true adage that they're machines so stuff's gonna pop up like a boat like if you're just doing straight up pressure washing it's kind of how you respond to that and reaching out to clients and and being proactive which is why i think earlier when we spoke about maybe crm and assistance that's so important because imagine also you're an owner operator let's say hypothetically something goes wrong so on top of getting new clients you're also trying to call them to reschedule it, it can get overwhelming very quickly oh yeah yeah and you know, and, and when you when you're first starting with one truck, I mean, you don't have a backup. There's no option, and so, you know, it's it, it's doing a lot. At least now, once you get a couple of trucks, you can say, "Hey, guys, I'm going to extend your route a little bit today, and what we don't make up in the morning, you guys will finish up." Not a big deal. So, um, and, and I've got the luxury now of having an extra vehicle that we don't have to use. But as one of my uh, my old my I have one driver who's been with me two years, and he's like. Uh, Boss man, what, what? Where's that? There's always three trucks in the storage unit, not four. Where's that fourth one? <laughs> well, it, there's always something to do. It's always doing something. It's, <laughs> it's always, it's always hitting. Well, I remember last year you were looking for. You're like, I just need a backup, just to give you that peace of mind. I mean, to help you sleep oh, yeah. better at night. To know I, I've got a backup. Yeah, this is. It's, it's so. There's so many psychological things. If you know, for me, I'm a worry wart. I, I, I like. I have to have it or else I don't sleep good at night, but I can sleep really good at night with that extra truck. But, but again, that gets back to, do you want to pay yourself right away? You know, how much of a risk do you want? And I'd rather defer gratification uh, and sleep good at night by knowing I've got, you know, good, you know, paying top dollar for my guys, got the best equipment, extra equipment and all of that. And that, I think to be successful, you got to have that peace of mind. Otherwise you're going to get tired of it and not stick around for the long run. Oh, it's definitely a long-term investment. So I'm glad you, you touched on that. We try to tell people, right? It's much as you want to have ambition, this is a long-term goal and reinvesting back into it really helps you grow from there. Um, earlier, Brian, we touched on how you and your wife, or give her credit, your wife discovered trash bin cleaning. How did you guys come up with Mr. Clean Bins and your logo? You know, every time we do a business, we have to come up with, my wife is a, a dance major, uh, and we used to have a children's dance studio and talent competition. So we have a lot of art. So what I do is I come up maybe with a name and then she has to come up with the logo 
or better yet, she kind of gives me an idea of what she wants. And then the way it works every time is I think Exacting, uh, the folks uh, up in Delhi or uh, over in India uh, were the ones that you used to have doing the websites. And they, they sent back, it was so funny at the time, like this trash bin under a palm tree. And it looked really kind of cheesy at the time. And my wife's like, no, the artist came out in her and she's like, this is why the way it needs to be. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, so my wife designed all the colors. But the only thing I had to do is the, my, my, my sunglasses here. I put those Same in there. You? <laughs> you know, I love these sunglasses because I when I had my sunglass shop, everybody has a favorite pair of sunglasses. And I still have my favorite pair of sunglasses <laughs> to go with this. So love it, Brian. So was this modeled after you, or you modeled? Is a logo modeled after Brian Flintram? Well, well, the, I'm not that big. Uh, I am working out now, but uh, he does have some beefy arms. But no, uh, that that was yeah, uh, Mr. Clean. I would have loved to have mm -hmm. done Mr. Clean with my head on the bent the the yeah. truck. But I think a that would have been egotistical, and I probably would have gotten a lawsuit. <laughs> I think they might have found that, Brian. They might have, especially with four trucks and four have been like, who's this guy in Jacksonville? Yeah. Been cleaning? Oh, that's awesome. I love that you still got the sunglasses. I think, I think I've seen some pictures on Facebook of like you and your boys and you got the sunglasses on in front of the yeah, truck. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So yeah. So, awesome. so yeah, that was for my, my last venture. So we tied it in. Awesome. So last question, Brian, before we let you go. What are your goals for Mr. Clean Bins in the next five to ten years? Well, I think next year we're hoping that by the end of next year to be a million revenue, not this year, but uh, following year. But I mean, I kind of look now at you know at least a thousand customers a year, um, and and just trying to continue that pace that we've done in the prior years. Um, I don't know where we'll go because I think the biggest question is is how long do customers stay on? What's the customer retention? Um, I don't, I, I don't know uh, exactly what that'll be, but I, I, I'm optimistic that there'll be a bigger and bigger market. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, fortunately and unfortunately in Jacksonville, I still have no competition. Um, it's a blessing and a curse because um, it, it's cheaper for conversions and all that on Facebook, but you still have less industry awareness, which is why I love doing a podcast like this for people to know. Um, but... Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is was you try to go to that next stage to be bigger, you're like, well, what worries me and causes me the most pain now? It's maintenance and all of that um, on all, all the fleet, you know, because 10 years from now, gosh, you know, hopefully we have, you know, 10, 15 trucks from you guys. And so you'll need somebody who can do that. Uh, so, I, you know, it may be a good idea for guys who really expand to buy a pressure washing outfit that can do all those repairs and have that in-house. I think you're, you're, and I believe your dad had purchased a pressure washing business in the past. And I think that's almost a natural evolution of this business because you need those uh, people uh, that can do all the repairs and do stuff quickly on your team. Um, I think you can definitely do it and sub it out when you're my size, but when you get to that, that next level. And there are companies that are that big. There's a guy out in Vegas, I believe, who's got a dozen trucks. Um, and... He, uh, but Vegas has 20 people competing. So the awareness of the industry is crazy out there compared to, to Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, those are things you got to fight, and, you know, over time. But, uh, but now I'm very optimistic on the future. That's awesome, Brian. I mean, we wish you continued success. Uh, you're 
huge advocate for the industry. I know how many people you talk to just that just find you. I know this is the guy in Jacksonville who's been very successful and thank you for taking the time to speak with them and thank you for coming on the podcast today. He's Brian Flintstrom, owner of Mr. Clean Bins out in Jacksonville, Florida. Brian, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your loyalty to Sparkling Bins and we all appreciate um, our business relationship with all of you. Yeah, thank you so much, Victoria. Have a great day. You too, Brian. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.